We welcome in once again another edition of the Port Authority here on Sports Talk. He is Ben Portnoy of the Sports Business Journal. Welcome in, sir. Many travels. How are you? What's going on, guys? Appreciate you having me. As always, great having you with us. I saw you were writing today about what was going on with the NCAA, uh, both up in Congress, where people are still uh, talking about trying to get Congress to do something to to save the NCAA from itself, and also this lawsuit in Ohio that's been filed against them. So what's your take on all this? Yeah, there's a lot to, uh, certainly a lot to discuss. Uh, I would say that, you know, starting with the NIL hearing that happened in D.C. today on Capitol Hill, um, you know, it followed, frankly, a lot of the track that we've seen with a lot of these things where, frankly, it's a lot of talking, a lot of grandstanding, and kind of having the same conversation over and over and over again, which is just kind of what it is. Um, now, that said, uh, the, the biggest thing that kind of came out of this uh, that I thought, at least, was Lori Trahan, uh, the, the Democratic rep from Massachusetts, said after the meeting that uh, basically, in so many words, she says she doesn't see Congress passing measures on college athletes can be employees or not, or providing the NCAA with an antitrust exemption. Hmm. Uh, those are functionally the two things that college athletics people are in discussing anything with Congress about period. So like, those are the two things that the reasons for why they're having these conversations, basically. Um, if that's not going to happen, uh, it's a lot of, okay, what are we doing here? Um, I think that, you know, it's certainly, it's certainly in, uh, look, we've been having these conversations over and over and over again for months. Right. And I think that this is, I think what the 11th hearing on Capitol Hill now, um, that, that there's been a hearing with college sports people, um, with representatives about this subject, and it hasn't really gone anywhere. Now, there's people in, con- excuse me, in Congress, in college sports circles that feel optimistic that Congress will pass something, but I, uh, again, kind of have my doubts there. Conversation about a super conference took place today with Charlie Baker, which I think is in the back of everybody's mind that deals with this, a super conference of the, the, the big financial programs that want to go off and just do their own thing and spend that money and do as they please. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think, you know, Charlie Baker was asked today whether he felt like college sports could, excuse me, whether uh, whether super conferences could exist under the NCAA structure. And he basically said yes, in so many words. Uh, it's certainly an interesting time. I think there's a lot of thought that if there become super conferences and, and there becomes this sort of break off of big time college football, whether that would fall under the NCAA's jurisdiction or purview. Uh, but for what it's worth, Charlie Baker said he thinks that that can still exist and, and reiterated that to lawmakers today. Where does it go from here with Capitol Hill? That's a good question. I think, you know, certainly there will probably be more conversations. Uh, I think there's always <laughs> there's always conversations on this, right? Um, I, I think that that will be part of it. I think that, you know, there's going to be another set of meetings with the NCAA decision makers in April, uh, whether it's the D1 Council, I believe, uh, who will take up some things that Charlie Baker proposed in his proposal about a month and a half ago, uh, or almost two months ago now. Um, now, whether that anything comes of that, we'll see. Uh, you know, there's some sort of the bureaucracy of this that there are committees at the NCAA who are looking at Charlie Baker's proposal and trying to move things forward, and the idea would be that they could enact something by the end of this year, uh, generally speaking. 
whether that happens again, it's sort of, you know, don't hold your breath with a lot of these things. There's a lot of talking and there's not really a lot of action. I think, you know, certainly Charlie Baker's proposal was action, um, but it may be a little while till we see any more action on that front. Well, he was quoted as saying that if you convert all of college sports into employment, there is simply no doubt based on math that you will lose an enormous number of student-athlete opportunities. The money is just not there. Most schools lose money on sports. But, I mean, end quote, that, that's going to that's kind of hard for people to stomach when they see that every SEC team now is going to be making about $75, million, $80 per year with this new TV contract. And the Big Ten is going to make more than that per team. And the Big 12 is going to make a pretty good chunk. The ACC is you know, going to make a pretty good chunk, not what those others are making as it stands right now. I think people have a hard time agreeing with that when they see an $80 million check going to a school uh, on an annual basis and more. They're not, they're not re- reducing the amount of money these schools are getting annually. They, it keeps going up. Um, does that argument hold water? I, I, I would say this. I get the argument, but I think it's also a product of the functional – issues that college sports have and how they've spent money, right? And that, you know, let's say uh, insert school, insert power five school here makes a hundred million dollars a year. The problem is is they're spending a hundred million dollars a year as well. And and that there's been this overspending basically, and there's no attempt to basically be profitable. Now in the grand scheme and looking, let's say 20, 40 years ago, right? Like college sports were not designed to be profitable entities. They're supposed to be arms of the universities that, sponsored sports teams and obviously brought in some money and ticket sales and things like that. But, you know, they weren't meant to be these giant behemoths that they've become. And because of that, you've got a spending pattern with sort of spending all the money you're earning uh, to fund all these other sports. Generally speaking, the money comes coming from football and you're not getting any return in investment basically. Uh, And I think that that is part of the argument there and that, you know, you've got, yes, you've got these schools spending, you know, $100 million and saying, hey, we don't have the money. But the really, the reason they say that is because they're spending all this money on other things that, that frankly, they don't make a ton of sense business if you look at just basic business practices. So as I look at it, if they don't get any relief from Congress, and you kind of indicate, based on what you're saying and what you were told and what you've read, that there doesn't seem to be an interest from Congress to have help the colleges bail themselves out of this if they don't get antitrust exemptions any kind of help from congress along those lines how are they gonna i mean it it seems like the courts just shoot down every regulation now that the ncaa has had in place or is putting in place from everything from trying to limit the amount of money that they're spending to trying to limit how much how many times players can transfer without penalty? The courts are saying you can't do that. You can't do that. So what are they going to do? I think that's the fundamental question here, right? Is like, what is the answer? And I don't know that there is one. And I think ultimately the answer that's going to happen is that a lot of schools are going to be in deep trouble because you're going to have a point where probably athletes are going to become employees. They're going to be you know, they're going to be eligible for things that come with being employees. And that creates a whole host of issues and that there are some schools that are going to be able to afford it. And there are going to be some schools that don't. And I think that there's probably a breaking point coming. Um, Now where that line gets drawn, we'll see. I mean, 
like, look, there are power five schools that don't make the kind of money that may be needed to, to do these kinds of things and to operate in the way that college sports is trending, whether it comes to the employment thing. You know, I had someone propose kind of the idea that basically if you don't, don't find a way to govern college sports and, and find a way to make the money work, basically, you know, there's a world where instead of sponsoring 20 sport or whatever, I think the D1 minimum is 13, 14 sports um, to, to be a division one school. You know, you're going to have schools sponsor four sports and it's going to be, you know, football, men's and women's basketball and something else. And whether that happens or not, we'll see again, like there's a lot of steps to get there, but I think, and then everything else will be club and maybe it'll be sponsored by the school in some capacity, but it's not going to be in the same way that it is currently. And I think that that to me feels like the most realistic option. And I don't even know if it's an option. It may be forced, excuse me, forced upon sort of college sports administrators and, and decision makers because, and the courts are swinging against the NCAA at basically every at every point. And here we have a guy who announced today he's returning to Miami for his ninth season of college football. Nine seasons, nine years in college football. I mean, that's like that's longer than most coaches or head coaches at any <laughs> one place. And this guy is coming back for his ninth year. That's Doctor McCormick, tight end at Miami. Really. <laughs> That's right. No, I think you guys are referencing Cam McCormick at Miami. And if we want to play a really fun game, Cam McCormick and I graduated high school a year apart. So I think when he committed to, I think when when he committed to Oregon, I was still a senior in high school. So take that as you will. I mean, does the guy not? I under, I appreciate his love of college life and college sports, but does he not have a desire like to go on and make a you know get out and make a living somewhere doing something? I don't know about y'all, but like I love the movie Van Wilder, and this is a better story than that. So I, I don't know. Like this is this is this is something else. It's it's crazy. You wrote a story this week. I let you kind of give us the highlights so folks can look it up. Uh, headline: College football: the cost of winning. A story on the finances of national title winners in the four-team era as the CFP heads towards a twelve-team model next fall. What's the gist of the story? Yeah, I think the basic gist was, you know, I looked at a lot of financial numbers for kind of what it cost, in so many words, to to win a national title in 20, you know, in the four-team playoff era. And I think that, you know, the schools that were spending the most money, generally speaking, and certainly the schools that have the most resources, uh, as NIL has become a thing and all of that, uh, have been the schools that are hoisting trophies. And I think that's not a secret necessarily, right? But I think it was a nice way to put sort of numbers to some of these things and see what schools were spending. Um, you know, there's a big chunk of that story that's about Clemson. And I think Clemson's a really interesting case study just because, you know, their spending on football climbed a ton during that span. Uh, and frankly, the school was bringing in money and revenues were, were brought in and, and jumped. I think if I, I, I have the numbers roughly, I think it was like 150% over the course of the 10 years of the 14 playoffs. So some of that's a product of just growing, you know, grow, money growing in college sports naturally, but also a fact of Clemson was winning, so more money is coming in. Uh, and I think that, you know, it's an interesting way to just look at how schools were spending money. Um, over that span and, and sort of what went into, you know, these are the teams that are winning national titles. Here's what those, that money looks like. Uh, and certainly some interesting insight from some of the folks at some of the NIL collectives involved and uh, at those certain schools as well. And I thought was some, some, some interesting insight on how those things have operated and worked, uh, Michigan being one of them. And, and I thought had some really interesting points to, to make there. Absolutely. I just uh, retweeted it for you so our followers can go uh, look at it and, and possibly read it if they subscribe to the SBJ. What's ahead for you this week? 
<laughs> Hopefully some rest. I think uh, after <laughs> after some time from uh, after some time in Houston and and Phoenix, I'm uh, very happy to uh, sleep in my own bed for a few days, maybe play some golf and uh, and catch a catch a day off here, maybe one of these days. But uh, nothing too crazy. Obviously, lots going on on the horizon with uh, court cases and NIL hearings and all that. So there will be. Uh, There'll be plenty down the pipe, but ready to uh, ready to catch my breath a little bit here. Well, you deserve it, man. Enjoy, and we'll catch you next week. We appreciate you. Appreciate y'all. Thanks okay. for having me. Always fun. Same here. Ben Portnoy, the Port Authority, with us here on Sports Talk. 